Bible study, everybody. Good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. I'm going to take a few moments and pray, ask God's blessing on our time, and then we will get down to the Bible study. Father, thanks for this opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We ask you that as you are here in our midst, that you'd have your way, that you lead us, guide us, empower us. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit to uh, anoint this time, anoint uh, the speaking anoint the hearing, and I pray, Father, that your word would be creative in our lives. Uh, I ask, God, that you would go about doing the work that needs to be done. You go about encouraging and doing whatever it is that we need to have done in us, whatever needs to change in us, whatever needs to be challenged in us, whatever needs to be encouraged in us, whatever needs uh, to be spoken to in us, God. I just pray that this would be a time where that happens. Uh, we submit ourselves to you, we submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit, and we ask you, God, that uh, you would just have your way in us, in us tonight. Uh, we give you thanks. Um, we have an expectation of your Holy Spirit to do a work in each of us, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 12. If you need a Bible, some are located on the tables. Feel free to use those Bibles. If you need a Bible, feel free to take it. I'd love for you to have it. Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, this verse is, in this whole section, uh, there's a theme to it, and I'll just share the theme uh, that the writer of Hebrews is bringing forth through this. The, the theme is this, is the need for faith and the need for patience for anyone who wants to inherit what God promises. Those are two things that we need, two things that are required, two things that God wants to encourage in us through the writer of Hebrews. And this is one of those passages in Hebrews where you see that emphasized. And it's emphasized in more than one spot 
in the book of Hebrews. It's emphasized in more than one spot uh, in the writings and the epistles. It's emphasized in more than one spot in the New Testament, Old Testament. There is a theme throughout the scriptures that as we are going to take hold of what God has for us. We're going to take hold of what he said. We're going to take hold of his word. We're going to take hold of the vision that he pours into us. We're going to take hold of the promises that he gives. If we're going to take hold of them, we need and it is required that we have faith. Again, these two words, faith, and that we have patience in order to do that. And there's reasons for that. Faith is... Something that we need to have so that builds an expectation in us, that we are expecting something. When God says something, when God shows vision, when God brings something into our life, that there's something, there's an expectation that's being built in us. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is a patience that is more than just what we would think of as a passive thing, but a patience that really is a perseverance, that is an endurance that God calls us into that actively continues on moving toward that thing which God has said. And those two things are required. Uh, it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to just forget about it. It's so easy just to, to just lay it aside and just say, well, it didn't happen when I thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. It didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And so I just give up. And when we give up on things like that, we put ourselves in a position where we're missing out on what God has. Because his word, and this is part of the faith piece of this, that when he speaks something, the Bible tells us that that never ever, ever returns void. In other words, that which he speaks will come to pass. Does that mean it's going to come to pass when we want it to come to pass? No. Does that mean it comes to pass when we think it's going to come to pass? Nope. Does that, that mean it's going to come to pass when we give a deadline for it to come to pass? It's got to come to pass for our deadline? No. But we've done those things, and we know people who've done those things, and we've seen people that have done those things. We're like, well, I'm waiting on God for X, Y, or Z, and I'll give him until whatever date you want to set, or until I'm 30, or until I'm 40, or until I'm 50, or until I'm 25, whatever the date is you want to set. Well, I'm going to give him that long. Well, yeah, he don't have to go by your schedule. And that's part of the issue is that, what we're called to isn't to set some schedule for him to comply with. That, that's not what we're called to. We're not called to try and, and let him know when we need something done by. Uh, that, that's not who he is and that's not who we are. The fact of the matter is that he's going to do whatever he's going to do. The fact of the matter is that he's going to do it when he's going to do it. And what we're called to is a place of faith in order to believe him at his word and that his word is going to come to pass. All right. That's the faith piece. But then to actively, actively move with patience, perseverance, to actually move with endurance as we move toward that which he has said and continue doing that until it actually comes to pass. There's been things that have been said over me like years ago that I haven't seen yet. Well, it. Does that mean I just give up because I'm old? No, I'm not giving up. I, you know, I'm not dead, so I'm going to keep moving toward that thing which he said. 
I'm going to keep moving toward the thing that he spoke back when I was in my 20s or whatever it was. And it's because I believe him as to what he says. You know, so I'm waiting on it. But again, it's not a passive waiting. I'm waiting on it actively. I'm waiting on it in faith. I'm waiting on it with some endurance and some perseverance in me to continue moving toward that thing. A number of years ago, God spoke to me about endurance. And as weird as it is, I'll tell you something about me. I don't like to run. Uh, in fact, I have avoided it when I could. And uh, part of that was physical. I uh, injured myself early on. I put in a lot of years playing football, other contact sports. And so I had bad knees. And so it was difficult for me to run. It was difficult for me to walk. And I had bad ankles, I got bad knees, whatever. And so I kept avoiding kept avoiding it. But God spoke to me about it. It's like, well, you need to learn endurance in your life. And I'll give you a little secret about endurance. Endurance has something to do with your physical abilities. But endurance has a lot more to do with what's going on up here. And that's what I was supposed to learn was that I need to learn this part of it, the part up here, the part that keeps going, the part that's not giving up, the part that's going to persevere, the part that's going to keep going no matter how I feel physically, I'm going to keep going. That's what I needed to learn. And so over a period of time, some healing took place. Over a period of time, I had a couple surgeries, two or three. Over a period of time, things got fixed. Over a period of time, it was time, all right, it's time to run a marathon. But before I ran a marathon, I ran a 5K. And after I ran a 5K, I ran a 10K. And after I ran a 10K, I ran a 15K. After I ran a 15K, I ran a half marathon, like a 20K. And then the time came, it's like, all right, you need to run a marathon. So we'll run a marathon. All right. And then a few years later, run another one. All right. And then a few years later, run an ultra marathon. I hate to run. I'm not even kidding you. I don't, I'm not built like a runner. I don't look like a runner. I don't like it. But there was something in it that God wanted to teach me through that. And it had to do with stuff that goes on up here in my brain. Things are going on up here. I'm pointing to my head, my brain right now. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I'm talking about is that there has to be a shift and there has to be something that takes place in us if we're going to pursue actively what God has, if we're going to persevere. Because perseverance has to do with, you got circumstances against you, you're going to keep going. Persevere, well, I'm tired, but you're going to keep going. Persevere, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Too bad, you're going to keep going. Persevere, I can't believe, I don't think I'm going to finish this. Yeah, well, keep going. And what happens over time is you begin to learn that you are going to finish. And you begin to learn that you can overcome. And you begin to learn that when you think you're as tired as you're going to get, man, you can still keep going. And they, they, they have a statement. You guys probably heard this before. It's like, man, your, your, your brain will quit before your body will. And that's a fact. That's a fact. And, and so there has to be something. There's a, I don't know if you want to call it a discipline you want to call whatever you want to call it. I just think that there's something that God wants to teach us about actually persevering in our lives. 
to actually just keep going until we see what it is that God has said he's going to do. And this is one of those verses that, that talks about that. And there's an idea in this verse of continual advance. And continual advance is the very salt of what it is to be a Christian. That's the very salt of it. Because if we can't continually advance, if you're stagnant, that's not Christianity. That's just not. That's just death. And that's something that we need to get in our hearts, in our minds, that there is no place to just stop. All right? Continual advance is what God has called us to. That's what life is. Stagnation is death. I mean, you look at a puddle, you know, a puddle or, you know, something like that. I mean, there's a lot of stagnation in that. It stinks. Why does it stink? Because there's a lot of death in that. Yeah. You know, places like, you know, swamps stink. Why? Because stuff's just dying in it. And And I'm not putting down swamps or anything. I grew up in a swamp. But there's a lot of death there. And there's a lot of stuff dying, and that's why it stinks. But you look at a river, you look at a flowing of water, you look at, at something like that, and you just see life. And, and there's life all in that, and there's life in, in, in what we see there. There's life in an ocean, in the moving of the water and all that. There's life. And that continual advance is what we're called to. That continual movement, that continual moving forward. And when we find ourselves, you know, grinding to a halt, that should be warning. Warning. Because that's where death is. That should be warning. That's where spiritual stagnation is the place of death. And, and if we can get that, I mean, really get it, into our hearts and our minds, then those days come where it's like, well, I just want to give up and stop. Well, that's where death happens. And I try to talk to people about that. It's like, well, I'm just tired. Well, I believe you're tired. And, and I'm not going to disagree that sometimes you get tired. We all get tired. I don't, I'm not going to argue about that. What I would argue with somebody about, not whether you're tired or not, what I argue with somebody about is what's your solution to being tired. I'm just going to stop. That I'm going to argue with you about because that's stagnation. And that's the place of death. And so there has to be other answers to I'm tired than just stop. There has to be other answers to I'm tired rather than just give up. And so we need to pursue those kind of answers that lead us into more life than pursue the answers that are going to ultimately lead us into death and stagnation. Some verses require us to dig a little bit deeper into them. They require an exactness of translation for us to actually understand what the writer intends or what he means. Not all verses are like that. The Bible mostly, 90% of the Bible, you just read it. You can read it as a child. And, and I encourage you to do that. But what does it say? Ah, that's probably it. That's probably it. And, and that's the truth most of the time. 
And there are a few verses that you look at them and whether the translators didn't know how to translate it or they didn't know quite what the author meant or whatever it is, they just require a little more digging into. And, and because realize that, you know, contrary to popular belief, the Bible wasn't written in like King James English. It was written, it was in other languages. I mean, yeah, you know, it was written in Greek and Hebrew and there's some Aramaic in there. And, and those languages are sometimes like some are picture language and some are, are, are pieces of language that we just don't, they don't translate very well for us into English and, or into other languages for that matter. And so it requires a little bit of digging into in order to kind of get a hold of it and get an understanding of it. So this is one of those verses. So um, the verse starts off with an exactness of translation. The first few words of it are, let us also, are the words. And I don't know what your translation says or your version says, but the first word, let us also. In other words, Based on what we're gonna we read about with these other people, in other words, you go back into Hebrews eleven, and you see all the people that are mentioned there in Hebrews eleven, all these people that moved in faith, all these people that respond to God in faith, all these people that did things in faith. I mean, they're the ones that we look at and we're like, oh wow, you know, they're they're big names in the Bible, most of them, and and so they were moving in faith. I mean, Abraham was moving in faith. All right. And all these people are mentioned through there just moving in faith. And so verse verse one of chapter 12, it starts off, well, let us also, in other words, we need to be like them. We got it's not enough to read about them and say, oh, well, they did that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. They're they're awesome people. Right. You need to be like them, though. Let us also. So. Chapter 12 is our entry into that. Chapter 12 is our entry into the story that's being told in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a story of faith. Chapter 11 is a story of being with God. Chapter 11 is a story of responding to God in faith. Chapter 11 is a story about believing God for what he says. Chapter 11 is a story about what happens when people actually believe God and actually live it out. And so chapter 12 is, is us entering into that story. It's time to live it out. And so their faith needs to be, needs to be our faith. That's the example. That's what we see. Okay, great for them, but what about you? What about me? So let us also, since we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Like, we've got all these people all around us, and there's a picture being drawn. Here's the picture. It's the games that took place in Greece. That's what's being drawn here. And we could think of them, they were regional games, they were city games, there were games that took place between the city-states. There were games that took place within the regions of part of Greece. Uh, and most of these type games are where we got our modern idea of the Olympics. I'm not saying that was the Olympics. I'm just saying that this is where we got the modern idea of the Olympics, are from these games. And so they're drawing a picture 
of this. They're drawing a picture of an arena, and we're the participants now. We're the participants in the arena. That, that's chapter 12, verse 1. That puts us into the arena. Let us also. Since we are surrounded, or since there's a bunch of people that have gone before us that have already done this, now they're watching us. Now they're encouraging us. Now they're in the stands and they're spectators. And they're the ones that are, 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 are seeing what we're doing now. Since we have all these people around us who have persevered, we have all these people around us that have lived in faith, we have all these people around us that have carried on when the odds were against them or when they didn't see what God was doing or they didn't know what God was doing. But they just kept going and they held on to that word and they held on to what God had said. They just believed him at what he said. Since they have the, all these people that did those things, they're all around us. Now they're watching us and they're cheering us on. That's the picture. And so we got to get a hold of that picture. We're in the game now. We're in the arena now. We're in the middle of this thing. And all of these people that we looked at in chapter 11, they're all like, go, you go, you go now. This is your time. This is your place. This is your moment. This is you. And we love to look back and say, that's great. Man, those people were so good. No, what we're being challenged to is to take our spot in our moment and in our time right now. This is our time. And they're all there and they're all cheering us on to persevere. They're all cheering us on to believe just like they did. They believed you can do it too. They persevered. You can do it too. So we're being cheered on to persevere, being cheered on to believe God at what he says. So they're more than just examples. Yeah, they are examples, awesome examples. But they're also witnesses of what? Of what you're doing. They're, they're, they're here. They're spectators. They're beholders. And that's what that word witness means is to behold. And so they're the spectators. They're the ones that are watching us now. And so there's an active thing going on here that you got to take chapter 11 as more than just an example. You got to take chapter 11 as they're cheering you on and take your spot and take your time and take your place. And you got to take seriously that this is your moment. You got to take seriously that this is your time. You got to take seriously that this is your call. This is what you've been called to do. This is your faith. This is your perseverance. This is your moment of endurance. You're in it now. We all are. And so we have people cheering us on to get it done. For each one of us to get it done. See, through their faith, they now witness our faith. Because them being in the stands and them being spectators and them cheering us on is a testimony to faith's power, to perseverance's power, and that it actually works. That's how we know, because they're cheering us on now.
It worked. It worked. And it continues to work. And they're teaching us a trust. And by trust, I, I just want you to, to understand this. Regardless of circumstance, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust that God knew what he was saying. I'm going to trust that God means what he said. I'm going to trust that God is going to accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish. I'm going to trust that God knows my circumstance here today, right here, right now. He knows where I'm at, and he is still calling me to this thing, whatever it is. You see, we're being offered encouragement. That's what we're being offered. Encouragement to take hold of our own contest of faith right now. All right, so take hold of that. Because the next thing they talk about is the idea of lightening your load. And he talks about casting off the sin that so easily besets us. Well, that, that idea of casting off is a lightening of load. And in the sin they talk about, and it says so easily besets us. That, well, it is. It's easy. It's the thing that, that is easy to, to, to get into our lives. And there's two sides to it being easy. There's a double, there's double meaning to that. One, it's so close to us, it's so easy to fall into it. Well, what do I mean by that? I'm trying not to define it right now because it's going to be different for you than it is for me, at least in some ways. Because there's things that you are that you are probably sensitive to that I'm not. And there's things that I'm sensitive to that you're not. And so I'm not trying to define what that thing is, but it's that easy thing that affects you. It's that easy thing that influences you. It's that easy thing that actually causes issue in your life. Whatever it is. And, and I don't know what that is. Well, some of you I do, but I don't know what that is in general. And so, and it's different than the easy stuff that causes problems for me. Stuff that's easy, that that's easily causes problems for you, I don't even think about. And there's probably stuff that easily causes problems for me that you don't ever think about. Because we're two different people. And so there's this thing that's going on in us that... It, it it's, it's easily affects our lives. So that's one side of it. But the other part of the meaning of it being easy is that it's easily overcome too. And, and I know that sounds like it's craziness. Crazy talk for a second. Because like, well, if it easily causes a problem, how is it easily overcome? Because if you recognize it for what it is, you can see it for what it is and it's easily overcome. Because it's not that big a deal. And what he's talking about here is the stuff in our life that's not that big a deal to anybody else. It's not that big a deal, really. If you, if you boil it down, you see it for what it is, it's not that big a deal. It just trips us up. That's the problem with it. It trips me up. It trips you up, whatever that thing is. But for somebody else, they, they, they just step on the stick and it never bothers them. Well, that's how easily it's overcome. And the people that have come before us, even the people that we're running the race with, even the people that we're engaged in the contest with, there's people that are all around us that are easily overcoming that thing without even thinking about it, and yet it's some big deal in our lives because we allow it to be. But the fact of the matter is, 
it's just as easy to overcome for us as it is for them. We just see it differently. We perceive it differently, and we experience it differently. So we need to lighten our load. Somebody look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. All right, so Jesus is saying this. This is what he's saying. You, you're carrying burdens. You're carrying stuff that you don't need to carry. And, he, and all he says is, what's the answer? He said, come to me. Come to me. And so coming to him, he doesn't say you'll never have anything to bear. He just says, my yoke is easy. So you still have a yoke. You still have stuff to do. You still have responsibility. You still have things that you're being called to do. There's still things that are going on in your life, but my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He didn't say you don't have any burden. He just says it's light. And there's a shift that goes on there, and that is that thing that has easily burned you down, right? As you come to Jesus, the Bible speaks, and, and Jesus is speaking of this, that it easily becomes something that you can do. And, and I don't know if you see the verse the way that he says it, but try to try to conceive what he says. You're you're just weighted down. You're just struggling. You just can't get anywhere. Well, come to me if you're heavy laden. Is what Jesus says. Take upon yourself what He gives you. It's easy. It's light. You still got burdens, but they're easy and light. You still got a yoke, but it's easy and light. And so you need to lighten your load. That's lightening your load. We got a way to lighten our load. What? We go to Jesus. We take on what he has for us, not what we think we're supposed to take on. Follow me. That we get in our heads, oh, I got to do this thing. Why? What Jesus say about it? Oh, I got to do X, Y, and Z. Why? What does Jesus say about it? You know, I, you know, talking to Christians, you know, for the last forty years, man, Christians love to take on heavy stuff for some reason. Man, they get in their heads like, I got to do this thing. Why? It's got to be this way. It's got to be hard. It's got. It's got to be really hard. Why? Why? I mean, I thought self-flagellation went out with, you know, the monks and stuff. I don't know. It's like, why? We just figured out other ways to do it. Got to make my life miserable. Why? I got to be miserable all the time. Why? I deserve it. Why? And you start looking at it, and it's like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pick up something else. I'm going to pick up something else. I'm going to keep carrying all this heavy stuff. Yeah. What did Jesus say? He'll give you stuff to do. He'll give you plenty to do. But it, it's easy and it's light. He has work for you. Put the yoke on and get to work. 
but it's easy and it's light. And so this says you need to cast off the other stuff. You need to lighten your load. And it's interesting. There's two ways that can be interpreted in this verse. And, and so we go back to the idea of the athletes. They're in the arena. The first way that it could be interpreted is that an athlete reduces excessive size through training. What do I mean by size? Weight. And so if you're an athlete, for example, and let's say that you are going into a sport that you need to jump. Well, if you're jumping with excessive weight on, you can't get as high. Sorry. And so you lose some weight and then you're able to, to possibly jump higher or running for extended periods of time. And the more you weigh, the bigger pounding that you're putting on your feet, your ankles, your knees, your hips, and every part of your body. And so a lot of times they don't reduce the weight. It's a guy that I hike with in the wintertime, and he weighed a certain amount. I forget what it was, like 150 pounds. He's a little guy. And, and so there came a point where he just his knees were starting to hurt him a lot. I mean, the guy's older. He's over 80 now, but he was in his 70s. And his ankles were hurting him, and he's like, all right, well, he, he did an experiment. He's like, I'm going to drop 10 pounds. So he dropped from 150 to 140. And, and we're hiking, so there's a lot of pounding. It's up in the Adirondacks. You, you constantly pounding on your feet, knees, and hips, ankles. He dropped 10 pounds. Pain went away in his knees. Pain went away in his ankles. Pain went away in his hips. Why? Because he's carrying less weight. All right, so that was one thing. The other way to interpret this is to uh, get rid of any encumbrance of any burden. Like, uh, for example, unnecessary clothing. Uh, if you're running the race and you're wearing things that you trip up in, get rid of that. You're running the race and, and it's in your way from, from getting what you need to do, then you need to get rid of that. If you need to use your arms but you're wearing something that you get tangled up in all the time, you need to get rid of that. And so it could be clothing. Uh, the, the idea of burden there is sometimes translated as pride. Is that we just need to get rid of the stuff that's weighing us down. And, and one example of that and it, that the word actually can mean is pride. Just get rid of it. Well, it's not that easy. Yeah, it is, actually. That we can train ourselves out of pride. You don't have to operate in pride. You can find uh, value for yourself in other things and making it up. Because that's what pride is. You just make up stuff about yourself. So you can feel good about yourself. Well, you can feel good about yourself in Jesus. You can feel good about yourself in, in, in who he says you are. You can feel good about yourself in, in the reality of your life. And you don't have to make stuff up. And the reason I'm being so direct about this is that as long as you are making stuff up, you never pursue any of the other things that I mentioned. Something's got to change first. And to me, it's laying down the pride. That's got to change first before you can pursue, well, how does Jesus see me? Or you can pursue, how, how am I, who am I really? What do I really look like? What do my friends think about me? What do the people around me think? Or whatever it is that you want to gauge it on. But before you can actually pursue the truth of the matter, you got to get rid of the lies of the matter. 
And pride is a lie. Simple as that. And so if you want to hang on to the lie while you're pursuing truth, it seems like a waste of time. And so I'd rather be direct and say if one of those burdens, one of those things that encumbers you is pride, that has to go. That has to be one of the first things to go if you're actually going to live your life in truth. If you're actually going to find some kind of joy, you're going to find some kind of happiness, you're going to find some kind of understanding of who you really are. The good, the bad, the ugly. But at least it's the truth. And it's hard to do that when you're entertaining a lie all the time. And so you get rid of that stuff that's in the way. Your clothing's too loose, get rid of it. Your clothing's too tight, get rid of it. It's anything that renders the athlete less fit for the race. That's what it, that's what it means. Anything that, that, that renders you less fit for the race, you got to get rid of. And so, so here's how he kind of comes down to it. He says to run with endurance. And we started talking about that. I started talking about this earlier. As you're going to run with endurance. And that word endurance is not just passive. Well, I'm just going to wait it out. That's not the type of endurance it's talking about. We're not just waiting it out. Oh, you know, if I stay quiet enough, maybe people leave me alone. It's not a passive endurance. It's it's a pressing on. It's actually it's actually moving forward. Yeah, it's a perseverance. It's actually going after it. And continuing to go after it. That's the endurance that they're talking about here. And and that's mental. That's mental. That is a training and a discipline of the mind. And and yeah, I know running is is physical and I know people train to do but if you're gonna train and you're gonna get out there and you're gonna run X number of miles a week so that you can run a marathon at some point, that takes some mental discipline. And it starts in your mind, and it starts in what you're willing to commit to, and it starts in the discipline that you're willing to embrace in your own life. That's what it starts with. There's something that has to change up here. It's mental. And so what he's talking about, and I know we're talking spiritual things here, and I know that the writer of Hebrews is talking spiritual things here, but he's using a physical example for us to understand the spiritual thing. And I firmly believe that if we're going we're gonna to grow spiritually, I firmly believe we're going to pursue what God has for us spiritually. I firmly believe if we're going to pursue in faith the promises and the word of God over our lives and we're going to trust him in that, I firmly believe some of that's going to be mental, that our mind needs to change and the way we're seeing things need to change. And we need to have a discipline about how we're going to go about doing it. That there's a spiritual discipline that needs to take place in us if we're going to see the growth and we're going to see the maturity and we're going to see this thing through the way God intends for us to see it through. There's got to be a mental discipline on our part to do that. Because, you know, it's like people talk about, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm really running after God. How far? I don't know. 
You know, because there's always people, they love it when God's moving, right? In some obvious way that the God's just doing like whatever he's doing and it's super obvious and it's super awesome and we're just seeing God moving in that way. And I love those times. I love those times. But he doesn't always move that way. That in my experience. And so it's other times that I'm going to press through. Why? Not because I'm all excited about it, but because I have made a decision and there's a discipline going on in my brain and a discipline going on in my spirit that I'm going to keep going to see what God has. I'm going to keep going till I see it. I'm going to keep going till I hear it. I'm going to keep going till I'm done with what God has for me. When is that? Never. That's the perpetual motion. That's the perpetual moving forward that is the salt of our lives. And without that, you just basically grind to a halt and just die. Don't want to hear that. Right, I understand. And so again, this is the imagery of the public games. And Paul alludes to that in his writings. Paul alludes to that frequently. The writer of Hebrews is alluding to that. Paul alluded to that in his writings. I'll give you some examples. 1 Corinthians 4, 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. 1 Timothy 6, 12. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Those are just some examples of times that he alluded to this and to these kind of games. That's the Paul. You got the writer of Hebrews doing the same things here. He's alluding to these national festivals, these, the, the, these festivals in Greece, like I described them, the city-states, the regions of Greece, they would compete against one another. But understand these athletes would train, and this was severe discipline in their lives to get ready to do what it was they were going to do in these games. It was an intense struggle. And people would come from all over to watch it. Including those that had already competed. And that's what we have. That's what we have. We have a big crowd that have done it. And now they're encouraging you in your moment. You just got to hear it. You got to see it. They don't separate your life from those who've come before. Don't separate yourself from those who have already shown us what it looks like. That's a mistake. When we begin to separate ourselves from the Bible, like the people in the Bible, it creates, we begin to separate ourselves from Jesus. We begin to separate ourselves from the disciples. We begin to separate ourselves from the patriarchs. We begin to separate ourselves from, from the prophets. We begin to separate ourselves from the people that have come before us. It creates a dissonance that tells us that we can't possibly do that. And that's not the message. That's not God's message for us. Jesus, and everybody believes this, but you got to really believe it. Jesus is the example for us. But so are these other people. Jesus showed us it can be done. Well, so did these other people. 
And if we can't connect ourselves with that, we're missing what God has for us. Because every generation has to take up their moment and get it done. And the generations that changed their world and the generations that have come before us that have affected the world that they lived in were people who took seriously, and I mean they really took it seriously, that they're part of this story. And they took their place in the story and they went about and they did it. We'd have to take that seriously if we're going to be those kind of people. And so I encourage you not to separate yourself. Not to draw a line. Not to say that's them and this is me. But to actually look at this, this crowd of witnesses that we have. And instead of saying them and me, it's just us. We're in this. We're in it. We're in the story. We're in the story that's still being written. We're in the story that's still going on. We're in the story that God is still moving in. We're in the story that God is still working in. We just need to take it seriously and take our place. And so I want you to let him encourage you tonight in that. This is continuous. This is progressive. And it's tending toward an end. What's that end? I don't know, but it's tending there. Because God's got a plan. So this is our moment. This is my moment. This is your moment. I'm going to take a few moments and just a few minutes and pray. And I want to encourage you to just allow the Holy Spirit to make that true. Number one, real. In us, in me, in you. And let's take it up. Let's take it up. This is our life. This is my life. This is our story. I want to take my part in our story. As we live it out. Heavenly Father, I pray for us that we'd have the courage to hear you tonight. We'd have the courage to hear your Holy Spirit tonight and respond to you. We have the courage to take hold of who you say we are. We'd have the courage to take up what it is you have for us to do, for me to do, and to get about it. That we'd have the courage to believe you in what you've said. And we'd have the perseverance to continually pursue that thing. And to keep after it. That we, we see the, the, the illustration you give of running the race. We're involved in the game. 
And we've got all these people that have done it, all these people that have, have, have given example of what it looks like. But more than that, they're watching us now. It's our turn. And they're cheering us on. And so I pray that we would hear them as more than just a voice from the past, but we would hear them in the present, encouraging. We'd hear them in the present, cheering. We'd hear them in the present, speaking into our situation, into our circumstance, and into our moment of endurance. Jesus, I just want to say thanks. Thanks. For such a great assembly of those that would not only witness, not only declare, not only show us, but would actually watch us and be a part of our time and of our moment too. So I just want to say thanks for that. And I pray that you would raise up your people. I pray you'll raise each of us up, individuals. You'd raise each of us up into that place that you have for us. You'd raise each of us up into this moment in this time to take hold of our spot, our place, in our moment, right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you to just have an open heart, open ears, to see what the Holy Spirit would say to you, see what the Holy Spirit would lead you, guide you, encourage you, maybe shake a little bit going on in you, maybe wake you up a little bit, let him encourage you tonight. Let him encourage you to something more. Let him encourage you to something deeper, something better. Let him encourage you out of stagnation. Let him encourage you into life tonight. Let him encourage you toward discipline in your mind. Not just whatever. Not just whatever thought happens to pop up, but a discipline of mind toward endurance, toward perseverance. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Yeah. Yeah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Speak, God. Encourage, challenge. Pour out your vision. Yeah. Pour out your your courage tonight, your bravery. Hmm. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you have for us. Don't be afraid of what's in front of us. No. Mm-mm. Thanks, God. Hmm. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray we'd stop entertaining the stuff that so easily distracts us. Just stop. Stop. Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thanks for uh, just your call, your presence. Thanks for your vision. Thanks, God, for your purposes in our lives. Thank you, God, that you have put us here now for such a time as this. Pray, God, that we would embrace it. We would embrace our moment. And I just ask you, God, that we would actively pursue and persevere. We give you thanks tonight. Encourage your people. Encourage your people. Encourage your people. If we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thanks for coming. Good to see everybody. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. You know, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool. Mm -hmm. He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community. Like the community dad. Yeah, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah.